Church. This is Pastor Bill, uh, once again coming from my home due to the worldwide pandemic of the coronavirus that has totally disrupted all of our lives. Uh, just want you to know Liz and I are safe and sound, we're healthy, uh, every, all is well, and we're coming to you digitally again because we can't meet corporately as a congregation. So we're just happy that we've learned how to use the iPhone camera and we've learned how to film. This is our second take today. Liz just filmed it all in slow motion, so now we're doing it again. And uh, But that you know, God's ahead of that too. So we're happy to share this this week. A lot of questions before we get into the Word. Uh, when's life going to return to normal? How bad is it going to get? We're already in a recession. Does this mean we're going to go into a full-blown depression? Truth is, I don't have the answer to any of those questions, but I know somebody that does. And uh, God's very aware of our current situation, and he also sees the future. God sees the future where we can't, and he's not worried one bit. I promise you, God is not worried about this thing. It's all in control. So we just need to put our faith and our trust in him and uh, make the best use of our situation that we can. I know you've been at home a lot, and uh, that's what we need to do. We need to stay home as much as we can, stay away from people, keep our hands clean, and remember whose hands that you're in. This is certainly, people ask me all the time, is this a sign of the times? I think it certainly is. The Bible talks about pestilence, which means diseases, and uh, this is good news. This is exciting news. Jesus is coming back soon. That's good news, not bad news. And uh, yeah, this is probably just another sign of the time. I do look for him to come back to catch his church away soon. So this is an exciting time to be alive. Uh, but it is humbling circumstances to say the least with so many loved ones and, and such jeopardy of catching this virus. Uh, so let's turn our attention to the old famous passage in the Bible, 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a good time just to humble ourselves and get on our knees and pray and pray and seek the face of the Lord. Uh, as you're doing this, pray for your church. Let's pray that no one in our church family catches this virus. Let's pray for the elderly and those with pre-existing medical conditions that they'll be protected from this. Also, uh, get on the phone and connect to people. If we're in our houses, there's some people that are single that live by themselves. They, they could use a phone call, a word of encouragement. Call the elderly, call, just get on the phone. If you have extra time, instead of watching the news over and over and over again, about one hour a day is probably all you really need to, to watch the news. If you watch it more than that, your anxieties and worries will increase. So take your time to connect with our church family and call and check on people. I think they'll all be blessed that you did. This too will pass. One day life will return to normal again. I just don't know what day that is. We will meet as a church again one day. I just don't know which day that is yet. So in the meantime, we're gonna do our best to communicate with you. Uh, digitally. Maybe we can figure out better ways to do it. Right now, this is the only way I know how. But if we can find out better ways to communicate and share the Word of God with you, then we'll definitely we'll do that. Well, let's jump into our lesson today. Today's lesson is called the Four Cups of Passover. The Four Cups of Passover. You see here four 
glasses in front of me. It looks like wine, but this is actually cranberry juice. I just wanted to make a demonstration so it would look like four glasses of wine. See, the Jewish people celebrate Passover once a year. And every Passover celebration, they have four glasses of wine that speak of the four promises of God that God made to Israel during that time when he was bringing them out of Egypt. The Passover feast is a celebration. It's a reminder for the Israelites when God delivered their nation out of the bondage of Egypt and brought them on their way to Canaan's land. Go with me in your Bible today if you'll find Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus Christ took a cup at the Passover meal and he said in there, the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So these four glasses of wine, these four cups are a picture, a type, a shadow of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for the removal of our sins. Uh, much of the content today is going to come from a little book here that Sister Fern Nelson gave me about four and a half years ago. When she gave it to me, it was a nice gift and a blessing, but it really didn't speak to me. And I was praying this week what God wanted me to share with you today. And he brought my attention to this little book. And as soon as I got my hands on it, I could feel the Holy Spirit lighting on it. And I've been in it all week. It's very, very rich, very beautiful. I appreciate Sister Nelson doing this and you know, she's in heaven today. She's going on to be with the Lord, but I'm sure she looks down and says, I'm glad Brother Hudson finally looked at that book that I gave him. So uh, I hope this is a blessing to you. It's written by Chris Hodges, a uh, pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, one of the largest churches in the world. It's called Four Cups. Okay, what are the four cups? The first cup's the cup of sanctification. Second cup's the cup of deliverance. Third cup's the cup of redemption. And the fourth cup's the cup of praise. These four cups are all pictures of the precious blood that Jesus shed at Calvary's cross. God's promises, he gave us a promise. Each cup represents a promise. This first promise was he promises to rescue you from bondage. The second cup, he promises to deliver you from whatever's holding you back. The third cup, he promises to help you discover his original intention for your life. And the fourth cup, he promises to make you a part of a family that's making a difference in the world. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, It is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human hand has, mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So God's got this amazing life prepared for us. He wants us to live the abundant life, the victorious life, the exchange life. God wants us to live life to the fullest. He wants us to be full and live life to the fullest. We always have this thirst for more. Now, if a thirst for more takes you away from the timeless truths of the word of God, if it, if it takes you away from the Bible and in a strange doctrine, then that's not a healthy thirst. But if your thirst for more means you want more, you want to experience more of the presence, personal presence of the Lord, if you want more of his word, more of his spirit, for me, it's more of his fruit. I want more love, his love, joy, peace. I want more of that. And we can have more of that. And these four cups are a great picture of the progression 
of more of that. God's given us great promises and, and he wants to fulfill these promises to us. In fact, God never breaks his word. He never breaks a promise. Many times we've been disappointed in life because people have promised us something and they don't come through with it. But God's got these promises for each of us. And if we'll step into these promises and claim them, receive them into our life by drinking the four cups of the Passover, you'll see what I'm speaking of hopefully in a moment. The Apostle Paul had this desire for more. In Philippians 3, the famous passage, reading out of King James, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a thirst for more. He said, you know, I've not yet attained. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm pushing and I'm moving. I'm not what I used to be, thank God, but yet I'm not what I want to be. God made these promises to Israel some 3,400 years ago. And if you go to your Bible, we'll look at our text for the day is in Exodus, the sixth chapter, verse six and seven. This is our text and where we see these four promises. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Four cups of promises. Number one, I'll bring you out or I'll free you from the oppression. Number two, I will rescue you from your slavery of Egypt. Number three, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. And then number four, I will claim you as my own people and I'll be your God. These four cups of wine toasted to each promise at Passover foreshadows in the way which God would ultimately save his people through the sacrificial work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Four cups, the Jews named them, they called them the cup of sanctification, I will bring you out. The cup of deliverance, I will rescue you from your slavery. The cup of redemption, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. In the cup of praise, I will claim you as my own people, and I'll be your God. So let's dive in. We'll start with the first cup, the cup of sanctification. When the Jewish people drank of this cup on Passover meal, their minds went to the night of the Passover. If you remember, God was sending these plagues, 10 plagues to Egypt, trying to break the will of Pharaoh. And the, the final plague was a Passover, meant that the angel, the death angel, was going to come over the city and everybody that didn't have the blood of the lamb over their door would lose their firstborn. So the Jews all killed a lamb and they took the blood of the lamb and they painted it on the side of the doorpost and above the door. And that night when the death angel came over, he looked and every house that had this blood over the door was saved. And this is a celebration of the cup of sanctification. We, we hear the word sanctification, you might think it means holy or godly. Maybe you're not quite sure what it means, but the truth is it's a very simple word. It means to set apart or to set aside for special use. Liz has fine china, and we don't use that every day. It's set aside, it's separated for special occasions. Uh, marriage is a relationship that's set aside from all other relationships. Marriage is sanctified or, or to the Lord. 
we, and we're in the cattle business, and every year we pick our 10 or 12 best heifers, the young females that we're gonna put in the shows, and we set them aside. We put them in a special pen and give them special feed and get them fat and looking perfect, and we put them in cattle shows. So I can say my heifers are sanctified. They're set apart. The dishes are set apart. Marriage is set apart. Set aside for special use. So that's what sanctification means. And so the, the promise on sanctification is I will bring you out. I'm going to bring you from bondage to freedom. I'm going to bring you from darkness to light. This is really the cup of salvation. God brings us out. He, he hunts us down and he finds us and he saves us and then sanctifies us and brings us out of Egypt. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing, it's a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're saved by grace. We're not saved by anything we do on our own. It's the grace of God that saves us. He finds us, he hunts us down, he saves us. So he had heard the children of Israel crying out in Egypt. Uh, their, their taskmasters were a great burden on them. Their life was difficult. And he remembered his covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he called Moses to go to Egypt and to help rescue the people. And he brought his people out or he sanctified them. He saved them. You know, I remember my testimony. Uh, I was raised a good Baptist boy. My mom and dad raised me in church. They were great parents. But once I started making a little money, I got really wild, drifted a long ways away from God, any relationship with God. And I was over in Hong Kong and... I was uh, working over there, but I got very ill, very sick, and I got deathly sick. After several days of my illness, I realized I was about to die, and a fear came over me. I never had the fear of death, but with that fear, I was, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I saw a Bible in the room, and I went to my Bible. I didn't open it. I simply uh, looked at it. And just the presence of the Bible made me aware of the presence of God. And I reasoned in myself and said, if that Bible's real, and it means God's real, if God's real, then heaven and hell's real. If heaven and hell are real, and I believe they are, if anybody deserves to go to hell, it's me. And there in my moment, first time in my life, I realized that I was on my way to hell, that I wasn't saved. And I simply knelt down right there in that room, I just got on my knees and I cried out, Jesus, save me and this overwhelming wave of grace and love and forgiveness just flooded my soul i knew everything was going to be all right right there see god saved me that moment he sanctified me he pulled me out of the world and set me apart for himself well i got well and a couple days later i was on my way home flying home and my life was changed from that day on I bought me a Bible and started wanting to get to know who this Jesus was that saved me, that would love a sinner like me. Cup of sanctification is really the cup of salvation. Number two, the cup of deliverance. The promise, I will rescue you from your slavery. See, the children of Israel were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still inside of them. They still had, they weren't changed. Every one of them were born and raised slaves. They've been slaves to their people for 430 years. So every one of them alive, all they knew is slavery. And even though God had brought them out of Egypt and pulled them, pulled them out of that environment, 
they still thought like slaves. They acted like slaves. They behaved like slaves because that's all they knew. They were, they, were, they were slaves. And he says, I'll rescue you from your slavery. This is the cup of deliverance. See, we can be followers of Jesus Christ for several years and still need deliverance from bad habits, uh, wrong thinking, bad attitudes. Our soul's so full of memory. We've got all this memory and all this junk that needs to be changed. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Israel had a wrong view of God, a wrong view of themselves and a skeptical view of the future. What I like to call stinking thinking. They needed their minds changed. They need to be delivered from the way they thought. See, everybody that I meet, every Christian wants to go to heaven. They're real happy that they're gonna go to heaven one day, but very few Christians really wanna change. I don't know a lot of people that wake up every morning praying, Lord, change me. Lord, deliver me from my bad thinking. Deliver me from my wrong behaviors. Deliver me from the bad habits. But beloved, this is how we're to live our life. We're to drink deeply of the cup of deliverance and allow the Lord Jesus to change our hearts and our lives every day. Romans 7, 25, the apostle Paul wrote, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jesus came to deliver us. Drink of the cup of deliverance. That's his blood that he shed for you to deliver you from your wrong thinking. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he wants us literally to have a transformation of our soul every day. Remember your spirit is in good relationship with God. When you got born again, the spirit of the Lord came in and fused his spirit with your spirit. You had a regeneration or a new birth. Now you have a new man. That part of you is in great, perfect relationship with God. But our souls are carnal and it's our souls that need changing. And this is something that Christian should work on every day of his life. To find deliverance, we need honesty, we need humility, and we need confession and repentance. We need to change our minds. Repentance simply means to change the way you think, to change your mind. So if you really want to drink of the cup of deliverance, you need to get honest before God, humble yourself, and confess. Confess your sins to him, confess your sins one to another, uh, and God will change you. You can grow. This cup is really about evangelism. This cup's about discipleship, about you growing in your relationship with Christ. This cup is instantaneous, salvation is instantaneous, but deliverance is a process. It's a lifelong process, but one that every Christian should undertake. Then we go to the third cup, the cup of redemption. The promise here is I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. When I think of this, my mind immediately goes to the Red Sea. You know, Israel was, had the sea before them and Pharaoh's army was coming behind them and they were in a jam and Moses prayed to the Lord and God told him to stretch out his arm across the sea. And when he did, God breathed on the sea and his, his breath congealed the walls of the sea on either side of them. And they had dry land in the bottom of the sea and all of Israel passed over safely. Pharaoh followed them right into the sea and Moses stretched his arm back across and all of Pharaoh's army was drowned in the sea. This is a great act of redemption. God redeemed Israel at the Red Sea. But the more I look at this verse, it says, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I think of all the time that God actually takes his arm and reaches down to me. 
every time I fall, he reaches down, he stoops down, no matter how low I go, to pick me back up. See, the only failure going on for God is failure to get up and go again. Uh, one, one falling doesn't mean your journey's over. It just means you learned a new lesson the hard way. And God's arm, his outstretched arm, will reach down and pick you up every time you need. That's what grace does. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. This is the cup of redemption I'm talking about. This cup is where God helps you discover his original intention for your life. Redemption means buying us back for his intended purpose. In other words, the devil had us. We were in a jam and Jesus came to the cross and shed his blood that he would redeem us or he would buy us back for God's intended purpose. Let me give you a verse in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That word comes from the Greek word that means poetry. You're a poem. God's written a beautiful poem just about you. You're a work of art. You're not one in a million. You're one of a kind. You're the only one like you. Your DNA is different than everybody else's. Your thumbprint's different than everyone else's. You are who you are, whose God's made you. And you need to learn to accept that and be happy with that. The way we look, the way we act, our personalities, our gifting, our environment, our heredity, all these things, we are who God's made us to be. And God hasn't made another one of you nor another one of me. And God wants us, he has a purpose for us all. He has a, a mission. He has a ministry for every one of us. We're all called to help someone. We're all called to do something. You are his workmanship. You are his poem. You are his work of art. His ultimate intention is to change you to be like his son. Let me give you another verse, Psalms 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Psalms 139, 13, and 14. You know, in the church, we oftentimes want to do what someone else is doing when what we need to do is pray and ask God to find us our place or our position on the team. Uh, Rick Warren has a neat example he talks about when he's talking about our spiritual gifting. You know, we're all just not made the same way. And his analogy is a dinner table where someone drops a dessert on the floor. And he's named each of the people at the dinner table the names of these spiritual gifts. So if someone drops a dessert, breaks a piece of china, dessert's all over the floor. And Mercy says, don't feel bad. It could have happened to anyone. Preaching says, that's what happens when you're not careful. Serving says, let me help you clean that up. Teaching says, the reason it fell is because it was too heavy on one side. Exhortation says, next time let's serve the dessert with the meal. Giving says, I'll be happy to buy you a new dessert. And then administration says, Jim, would you get the mop? Sally, pick it up. Mary, help me fix another dessert. So we all have different giftings and different personalities and different spiritual gifts. And we need to find our place of what God's created us to be, our purpose, our mission, our ministry. Drink deeply of the cup of redemption and you'll find your calling, find your intended purpose for your life. 
Remember, we all have a ministry. We all have a mission. God wants all believers to be actively engaged in helping others. And then finally, let's go to the cup of praise, our fourth cup. The promise here on the cup of praise, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. When we live our life at this level in God, when we're experiencing the abundant life, you experience fulfillment. You can live your life to the fullest and be totally fulfilled, totally satisfied, totally content. This, this cup of praise is the fourth level in our journey. This is a progression from sanctification, deliverance, redemption, and finally praise. I could call it the cup of fulfillment, but that's really our, our inner longing is to be fulfilled and satisfied as we experience God in a greater way. You have to understand, though, that God's totally relational. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit have his perfect relationship. They created man and wanted a relationship with man. Sin hindered that. But when Jesus came to the cross to remove our sin, it puts us back in right relationship with God for all that will put their trust and faith in him. So what God wants is sons and daughters. He wants a family. He wants a family at the table. And he wants his family to change the world, make a great difference in the world. And that's really what the cup of praise is all about. Uh, the happiest people are those that are making a difference in the lives of other people, because that's how God's designed us. We're all totally relational. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think that's what god wants to do so this fourth cup is living beyond the limits beyond the limits of our finite humanity beyond the limits of what our mind can stretch and go to way beyond that is what god wants first peter 2 9 says that you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. True fulfillment never comes alone. It can only be attained with a group of people. In closing here, I want to show you a neat little thing about these four cups. You can go to the Great Commission. This is what Jesus' instructions he gave his disciples right there before his, as he ascended. He said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So the first cup you see here, sanctification is evangelism. Go ye therefore. The second cup of deliverance is discipleship. Teach all nations. The third cup of redemption is ministry, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And the fourth cup is praise or fulfillment. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I love that. The Great Commission, you see the four promises that God gave to the Israelites as he brought them out of Egypt. Four cups of the Passover, sanctification, I'll bring you out. Deliverance, I will rescue you from your slavery. Redemption, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Praise, I will claim you as my own people 
and I will be your God. I encourage you today to drink deeply of each of these four cups. The four cups of wine are nothing but a shadow, a type, a picture of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when you go to the cross and you cry out for the name of Jesus, there's a progression here of salvation, deliverance, or you're getting changed to where you're finally discipleship and where you're finally engaged in ministry, helping other people. Then you're living this abundant, full, complete life, victorious life, the exchanged life, Christ in you, the hope of glory, living his life through you. It's a beautiful progression, but it all begins with salvation. So if you're not saved today and you're looking on, you can be saved right there in your house, just like I was in that room in Hong Kong. All you got to do is get on your knees and say, Jesus, save me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you need your sins washed away, just cry out for Jesus and drink of the cup of salvation. That's the precious blood that he shed at Calvary's cross for you. If you need deliverance today and you're ready to get serious about being changed, then drink of the cup of deliverance. Don't stay here. Get changed so you can move on to the third cup. Many people try to skip the cup of deliverance and move right to the cup of redemption because this takes a lot of uh, self-examination. This takes a lot of confession, a lot of work. It's, it, it's the difficult part of the Christian life is getting your soul transformed. But I encourage you today, don't take this lightly. Drink deeply of the cup of deliverance so you can move on to the cup of redemption. And the cup of redemption is where God bought you back for his intended purpose. He redeems us. He purchased us that we might fulfill the intended purpose for our life. And then there's a cup of praise, a life of fulfillment, the abundant life, the victorious life, the exchanged life. Well, that does our Bible study for today. I hope this was a blessing to you as much as it blessed me. We're going to keep you updated with our situation of the coronavirus. Watch the news. Uh, keep your hands clean. Don't go out and be around anybody unless you just absolutely have to. Be smart. Be safe. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. God bless you all. Good night.